Let's face it, we frontliners see the absolute worst of humanity more than we may like, definitely a lot more than the general population. And while I can certainly appreciate heading to the local, off-shift friendly drinking establishment after a particularly difficult night, I'd much rather cope with finding whatever humor I can in a bad situation. Trust me, it's better than having to call my adult daughter to pick me up from a bar at 9 o'clock in the morning because I can't, uh, find my keys. My name is Jennifer Cosgrove, and I've been a night shift nurse for close to two decades. I created Overnight Observations to not just celebrate and share the often extremely dark sense of humor many of us possess, but to really dig in and chat about how allowing ourselves to find levity in serious situations not only helps us cope in the moment, it's also been scientifically proven to be beneficial to our overall mental health and physical well-being. So grab a cup of lukewarm coffee and a cold slice of pizza, sit back and relax, but not too much, you'll get us all in trouble, and just observe. Hello there and welcome to another episode of Overnight Observations, Diary of a Night Shift Nurse. Jen here, and it's pretty early this morning where I am. I figured I would get up early, method to the madness, especially after last week's episode. Landscaper's going to be here any minute now. Well, not any minute, it's only about 7 a.m., but I wanted to get the jump on them because I know that being a nice day out, it's not, you know, it's going to start. It's going to start fairly soon. And our landscapers never made it last week, so they'll probably be here bright and early, going to laugh and say, ha-ha, I'm not sleeping yet, I am not recording anymore, have at it. I started working at a hospital closer to my house since last February. The shorter commutes are really awesome, and I like the people that I'm working with. And of course, no matter where you work, you inevitably get asked, you know, how is it? Is it better than where you were before? How are the people? To which I tend to reply with a shrug and a smile and say some things are the same and some things are different. Everybody I work with is awesome. I've always worked with awesome people, so I'm not all that worried about that. That being said, looking through my work email over the past couple of months, I recently took a better look at what most, if not all, employees receive once or twice a month in their email feed. Now, as a nurse and a night shifter, some of these emails don't really apply to me directly, So I only do a really quick scan and then kind of move on. But I finally decided to take a closer look at one particular email that I've been getting just to see what it's all about. I mean, there are graphs and numbers and pictures and stuff like that. So I was kind of curious. Turns out it has to do with personal time management. Okay, again, not super sure why we get this. I mean, we have our own form of time management that we use in patient care, but in really looking at it and reading it, it it made me laugh. It And enough that one of my coworkers turned and kind of looked at me funny. She thought I was losing my mind, I guess. But I, I shared it with her. She laughed too. And I'm going to share it with you. Now, I took a picture of it, of part of it on my phone. So I'm reading from that. And it says, time monitoring, making use of time. And uh, here's a fun quote, food for thought. You compromised your recharge on five days last month by working past midnight. Ensure optimal nightly recharge by protecting the golden sleep time period between 12 a.m. and 5 a.m. from work-related activities. So if any of you out there have suggestions on how not to lose my job after following these guidelines of the golden sleep time period, let's hear it. You know, I'm sure... My manager would totally understand that her night shift nurse is protecting her golden sleep time. 
and that that far outweighs what she was hired for. Really? Okay, between 12 and 5 a.m., I'm going to be taking a nap. So hopefully the babies will be too, and there'll be no deliveries, and I can protect myself and recharge by taking a nice... Come on. I... The absurdity is is kind of funny. But again, it's just, you know, oh, hey, night shift workers, no one really thinks about that. And it's kind of funny. Moving on. Last week's episode, or a couple of weeks, the last episode. The last episode, not only did I talk about the landscaper and the gas guy, but I also talked about the graveyard shift. And a friend of mine happened to ask me when I saw them recently, you know, what, where did graveyard shift come from? Where did that term come from? It sounds like a Stephen King book. And actually, it is a title of a short story written by Stephen King that was published in his Night Shift collection in 1978. I know I have it around somewhere. But long story short, that story, Night Shift, I mean, I'm sorry, Graveyard Shift, is about a young college-age guy working on a summer vacation for a not-so-friendly actually quite nefarious boss. And he's asked to work an extra shift, 4th of July week, helping clean out a basement that hasn't seen the light of day for a very, very, very long time. And people are starting to complain about a rat infestation. Well, Stephen King, that's all I can say. You, You can kind of use your imagination as to where all of this is going to go. And yeah, it's considering who the author is, you know, it's not going to end well at all. It's going to be horrific and just nightmarish. So yeah, graveyard shift, night shift. Hey, sometimes it can be night, you know, sometimes the night shift can be nightmarish. And as I'm looking at my notes, I'm seeing that it's saying, you know, working extra 4th of July week. I'm working an extra shift 4th of July week, but at least it's not the basement. I don't deal with giant rats, sometimes giant babies, but they're generally good natured. And uh, I'm thinking the full moon's past us, so my week's going to be okay. I'm putting that out there. So powers that be, I hope you're listening. Oh, and if anybody's interested, the stories Children of the Corn and Jerusalem's Lot, which is the predecessor to Salem's Lot, is included in that particular Stephen King collection called Night Shift. So all my readers out there. Other stuff I looked at on Graveyard Shift, it's generally the hours from midnight till dawn. Years ago, in the 1800s, they would hire people to sit in graveyards. Now, this is alleged. I don't know if this is true. I wasn't around at the time. This is some of the stuff that I found. People would sit in graveyards to make sure that nobody got buried alive. Medicine wasn't what it is now. And people would seem by all, you know, intents and purposes to be deceased. They'd get buried. And turns out later on, for whatever reason, they exhumed the the grave, which is weird in and of itself. But there'd be nail scratches in the covers of the caskets. So they're thinking, oh, well, let's let's put a bell on everybody that dies. And if it rings, it means they're trying to get out. So someone will be there to let them out. Okay, kind of makes sense. Of course, these days with embalming and everything else, even if you're not really dead, you get that way. And also saw a term called graveyard watch, and which is a seafaring term. It is defined by 1927's A Glossary of Sea Terms. It is, quote, the middle watch of 12 to 4 a.m. because of the number of disasters that occur at this time. Well, yeah, I mean, I've had some disasters occur on the night shift, but I'll tell you, our main disasters tend to happen right at change of shift when it's all hands on deck and everyone's still around. And occasionally you'll get that nurse with their spidey sense 
sticking around saying, you know, let's wait until this delivery is over and all set and then I'll go home. And, you know, I would say maybe, honestly, about seven times out of 10, it's a good thing that they stay because we need them. And the more I researched the term graveyard shift, it kind of referred me to a fairly recent article dated June 10th, 2021 in Scientific American magazine, an article by a woman named Maddie Bender, who's written on some really cool stuff. She's talking about research on possible substitutions for that 1 a.m. caffeine hit. And I quote, instead of reaching for a cup of coffee during a graveyard shift, workers might one day hold an electric razor-sized device to their necks, unquote. Didn't know that the research is leaning into self-tasing, but hey, you know, <laughs> I have my nice. Seems the field of bioelectric medicine is really being researched now, and bioelectricity probably mid-18th century, and was researched by a gentleman named Luigi Galvani. And if you remember high school biology, some of us had to, you know, deal with the whole frog thing, not just taking them apart, but putting little electrodes on these frogs that had been dead for God knows how long, and giving them a slight little electrical current to make their legs twitch. That's what Luigi did and showing that electricity activates muscles in the body. Francis Ashcroft wrote a book, I believe in 2012, called The Spark of Life. And it goes into how electricity is vital to the body. It helps us with not just functioning, you know, regular daily functions, both voluntary, voluntarily and involuntarily, but also memory, hormone regulation, our personalities, all of that really cool stuff. So there's something to it. And it seems the U.S. Air Force is researching a device called a gamma core. And this thing is to send, what does the article say, vibrating bursts of low-voltage electricity, each lasting a millisecond to the side of the neck, stimulating the vagus nerve, which is, you know, as a big brain-body connection for those of you interested. And this results in less fatigue and improved work performance on tasks that require a decent amount of attention. So the use of mild electrical currents within the body is essentially a hack to a signaling system that can treat diseases like lupus and just kind of give you that zap that you need to wake up a bit, recharge, <laughs> recharge, <laughs> sorry, and get on with it, kind of pick up where you left off kind of thing. It's a really great article and it goes into a little bit more of what's going on with this type of research and how it affects people that have to be up in the middle of the night. I mean, yeah, you want your military to be awake and alert in the middle of the night. That's kind of, that, that would be kind of nice. But given a choice between a 1 a.m. cup of coffee or a cattle prod, mm, I don't know. I, I, I think I'd go with the coffee. Call me old fashioned. But I, yeah, I, I don't think hitting myself up with a cattle prod would be a good thing. At least, well, maybe I'd get my golden sleep time and end up sleeping sleeping it off for a little while. Who knows? I don't know. What about you? What do you think? Would it help you? Would it hurt you? Let me know. Overnightobservations.com. Write me a note. Send me an email. Review this. Let me know what you think. Have a happy, wonderful, safe celebration for the 4th of July. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll see you next time. Ciao. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Overnight Observations, Diary of a Night Shift Nurse. If you've laughed a little or a lot, learned something in the process, I've done my job. For more respectfully irreverent humor and the scientific proof that it's actually good for you, subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget that a little bit of levity goes a long way to leaving some of the darkness behind. The sun always rises. 
greet it with a grin. Thanks for listening.